and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Up front, I'd like to mention that you can follow me on Twitter at The Walk Show Pod, Instagram and Facebook at The Walk Show, uh, and you're welcome to always email me at walker at thewalkshowpodcast.com. Anything you've got, comments, questions, suggestions, you know, whatever it may be, uh, by all means, you know, reach out and I'd love to, to chat with you. I also ask that if you'd please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, whatever the app lets you do, um, that you listen to your podcast and it, it just helps the show be more discoverable. And, you know, if you listen to the show regularly and enjoy it, then, you know, tell a friend, uh, suggest it to someone else and, and we'll see if we can grow the audience a bit there. I also want to shout out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and multiple time The Walk Show podcast guest, Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games, but instead of doing just reviews or, or news updates, we try and discuss why gaming matters, uh, both personally and, and culturally. If you enjoy gaming and you like thoughtful conversations, then Pick Up Your Sticks should be right up your alley. I would also like to mention, and, and to be clear, this next thing I'm mentioning has no official affiliation with me. Uh, it's just something that I think is important, uh, and that is Ozark's Food Harvest. Ozark's Food Harvest is a food bank in southwest Missouri that helps provide meals to needy families in the area. They're an excellent organization with a mission that I think everyone can agree on. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we kind of live like kings, and I just don't think anyone should be going hungry. Ozark's Food Harvest is a really, really efficient organization, and they get about four meals out of every dollar donated. Um, especially, you know, in this country, the wealthiest country in the, the world, no kids should be waking up wondering, you know, where they're going to get their meal that day. Um, so I really encourage you to, to volunteer or donate at Ozarks Food Harvest today. And if you don't live in Southwest Missouri, then I encourage you to find your local food bank and see how you can help there. Um, food insecurity and hunger is a, a real problem. And it, it's something that I think we have the resources to tackle. Uh, we just got to get as many people involved as we can. On to today's episode, uh, on today's show, we're actually joined by Dylan Barr. Dylan was previously on The Walk Show in early 2019, and I was really excited to have him back. Um, you may recall that Dylan works in sales for a company called Self-Publishing School that basically helps its clients go from a blank page to a published book in 90 days. The last time Dylan was on The Walk Show, he had just finished up his rough draft of, of his own book. Uh, well, now he's done. Dylan's new book is called The Happiness Gap. How to Achieve Success Without Focusing on Money, Fame, or Accomplishments. And it comes out December 29th of 2019. I absolutely suggest you pick up a copy when it comes out on Amazon on 1229. But if you're interested, you can also go to Dylan's website and join the launch team, uh, which will actually give you early access to the book. The only thing that you have to do in exchange for that is, of course, read the book, uh, purchase a 99-cent copy of the ebook when it actually releases, and then write a review. And that, what that does is it, it just kind of works with Amazon's algorithms and helps Dylan's book be more visible to, to more readers. Dylan is an incredibly warm and intelligent guy, uh, and I personally have signed up to be on the launch team and, and really enjoying the book so far. I think you would enjoy the book, and I hope you really enjoy the conversation that Dylan and I had. Uh, without further ado, let's get over to it. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Dylan Barr. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Walker. It's so yeah, fun man. to be back on here. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, a real pleasure. Um, at, much to the chagrin of my other guests uh, and to the flattery of yourself, I was just telling you before we started recording that 
Uh, you're my favorite guest that I've had on the walk show. Um, and I just, I'm really excited that you came back. I, we had a really interesting conversation last time. Um, and you've got some exciting updates for us. And, and I just, some of the stuff that we talked about last time has stayed with me since then. Um, so I'm eager to, to get into that with you as well. My um, ego is filled right now. Yeah. So much. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. Um, so uh, first we'll start off though. I want I want to start off um, with the, the exciting news you've got. Um, so the last time you were here, we talked a little bit about, and I, I, assume you still work for self-publishing school. Is that, that is, correct? That's correct. I okay, work for great. A, a company that helps people self-publish their own books. Yeah. And that's actually how I met you. Uh, I was at the Podfest, podcast festival and uh, our conference or whatever, and that's where I met you. Um, and so, yeah, last time we'd spoke, you, you were working on your own book um, and you had just finished the rough draft. Yeah. And now we're getting ready to launch. Yeah. Now I'm getting ready to publish the damn book. I think we yeah. talked in, in March, if mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm not uh, wrong there, but yeah, Perfect. I was just finished my rough draft. And uh, now in December, finally the end of the year, I'm looking to publish my book uh, on December 29th. So people can start off the new year. Right. Awesome. And, and where, where can they find the book? They will be able to find the book on Amazon by searching The Happiness Gap by Dylan Barr. So the book is, is titled The Happiness Gap, How to Achieve Success Without Focusing on Money, Fame, or Accomplishments. Awesome. Yeah, that's, um, and uh, you know, again, I had no, I, when we were talking, I knew that your book was coming up and, and that sort of stuff, but we really didn't have a lengthy conversation before you know, deciding to, to record another podcast together. Um, Correct. And I, so I, for the last probably, I don't know, four or five months ish have been really heavy on all this like personal development, you know, quad self-help, whatever kind of stuff. Mm. Um, signed up with a life coach, signed up with a counselor and congratulations, just, man. Thank you. Yeah. And just really trying to, you know, to, to, I don't know, live my best life. Um, and and just that subtitle, the you know the happiness gap, how to achieve success without focusing on money, fame, or accomplishments, I think is so interesting, um, and so yet again like serendipitous and you know syn synchronicity for me, because it just ties in with so much of the other stuff I've been learning, um, just the the idea of things, material things not being actually you know what will bring you a rewarding life. I mean. Uh, as I, as you I, as I say the the title and the subtitle every time I say it it's like I want to get to a point where people read that and they say yeah no shit like right. of course that's not how I achieve happiness but it seems as of now you know I've been, I've been giving my book out certain people to read before I publish it um, on Amazon just so they can leave a really honest review and you know and so many people are like yeah I have been focusing just on money I have just mm -hmm. been focusing on the fame that I can achieve I, I talk to a lot of people that are trying to make it big in the music world in Nashville you know I, I'm trying to I'm only focusing on my next accomplishment so I'm like hey you know maybe I'm onto something I I, I read the title and I, I think it, it, it's a no-brainer but but hopefully it can bring people a lot of good man and, and same for yourself I'm, I'm super excited that you're shifting your focus too mm-hmm yeah, it's really, um, it's really interesting. And so, uh, so I guess to, and, you know, certainly I don't mean for you to divulge all of the contents of the book here on the podcast. You know, we want people to go out and read I'll it. I'll fucking read it from start to finish if you want, <laughs> man. I got the PDF up. <laughs> and page one begin. Um, <laughs> well, but no, so, so, I mean, you know, 
as obvious as it may seem, what what do you think the alternatives if 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 chasing money, fame, accomplishments, achievements, those sorts of things aren't where it's at? Where where do you where do you think that the gap is filled instead? Yeah, it's a really really good question. I mean, a, a lot of this book idea came to me when uh, when I worked in the developing world. So I okay. when I was in college, uh, I was I was big into sales. I did a door to door internship. I was I was literally the person I'm probably writing to. I'm like, man, how much money can I make this summer? You know how uh, how much fame can I gain? in my internship, all of the jazz, right? I, I achieved a lot, but I just always felt fucking burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this internship, I took a uh, consulting job, a sales consulting job working with socially minded businesses in third world countries. So my fiance and I actually moved to, to Kenya, Africa. Okay. Uh, we lived there for a while. We basically taught these startup businesses um, like solar companies, um, agriculture companies, companies that are looking to do social good. They just don't know how to sell their, their fucking product, right? We would teach them, hey, this is how you sell. This is how you sell the right way um, so you can be successful as a company. And obviously, we were there to help them make money, <laughs> just the sub- going against the subtitle. But what I would find is a lot of them achieve success a lot quicker than companies that I knew of in the United States. And it just seemed like every person I talked to, as I started to understand the culture, they of course wanted to make money, but it wasn't their focus, right? They weren't always focused on how much money can I make today? How much can I do all this? It was all external, right? It's Mm. all, you know, money, fame, accomplishments. It's all outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Really what they were focused on and what I got really learned from them is, is they were much more internally focused. I don't know how many times I talked to them when they would talk about their family and what they learned from their kids, what they learned from mm-hmm. their parents, what they learned from their wife. And it's like they constantly tried to be that person to live those values every single day. And oddly enough, they still achieve success. I just feel like they, they took the path of least resistance. They did it a lot quicker. Um, so that's really the concept that I try to get across in the book is, is stop looking outside yourself um, and, and start looking inside. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. Um I mean, I have such a flurry of, of thoughts, so I'm going to try and keep it coherent for you. But um, so something I've talked about on this show to some extent is um, and this is going to take a, a slightly weird turn, but I think it I think it relates um, mm-hmm. is there's a, a real prevalence in at least the United States right now um, and, and primarily on you know social media and, you know, the Internet, as it were, um, with what I would call outrage culture. Um, now I say that, and, and again, I'm, I'm not going to deep dive into political issues or something here, but I am a generally left leaning liberal type person. Right. So, so I I don't come at this as like your, your avid Fox news consumer or something. Mm -hmm. However, I I feel like, and, and I think it's especially true with like, um, with, with, with like the college kids that you see, that are really, and it's not just them exclusively, but, but where there's all of this outrage over things and it's all incredibly impotent because it's all a bunch of people, you know, spending a lot of time saying things on Twitter or saying things on Reddit or or wherever they happen to be, but there's not any actual change coming from it. There's not, nothing is happening. So it's just a bunch of people really angry and loud a lot. Um, And I find it, I find it personally very frustrating and, and the thing that I always think about it is that, it, and, and the reason I use college kids is because I think that it, this might be more specifically true for that group. 
Um, and I think it's probably because they're, you know, they're, they are still kids to some extent, but yeah, they're growing up in it. Yeah. Well, so it's this idea of like, they want to change everything externally instead of understanding that really the only thing they can change is within themselves. And so there's all this, again, outrage about how things externally aren't changed. And it's not that I'm saying that the status quo is wonderful and nothing should ever change or improve. It's more just that the way that that comes about is through finding a way to change yourself to be better at changing, making those other changes, as opposed to just shouting down the things that you don't like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could live in a world where the first step someone takes is, well, how can I be the best version of me first and foremost without comparing myself to others? Right. Right. (laughs) I I think a lot of these, I I love one of my big, one of my big passions is just listening to debates. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Most recently the the debate that I've loved, I think we may have talked about it on our last time was, was the uh, Sam Harris and, Jordan Peterson. Oh my God. I just talked about Jordan Peterson just last week. Yes. Go on. Such such a good debate, right? Because they actually came to some, some agreeances, right? You know, Sam Harris is a bit center left. You have Jordan Peterson, who's a bit center right. And, and, and there's definitely that Venn diagram, that middle part where they can come to agreeance, but you, you see a lot of debates and it's just like, I'm right. You're wrong the entire time. Right. And, then, and then the same thing. So you get a far left person, you get a far right person saying, I'm right, you're wrong the whole time. And then you, they both create their tribes of people. You know, politics is done as well. You got far left thinkers, far right thinkers. Um, I always look at it as a pendulum, right? Let's say you are a far right thinker, super conservative, all the stuff. It's, you know, nothing wrong with that, but that's just how you think. Any person that even thinks center right is considered well you're left because you're not yeah. where i am it's like we just slowly like the only way we know how to make sense of who we are is comparing ourselves with this exterior world you mm-hmm. are not me you're the enemy right and that's how i know who i am i'm right you're left so that's how i know who i am i think it comes the same thing when we're thinking of rewards right it's like well i've created this much money i've made this much money you're gonna get to a point where you then look outside yourself well who's made more I've achieved this accomplishment. Well, who's achieved a better accomplishment? It's like, then what happens is you're never enough. You know, right. you're, you're fresh out of college. You, you're making, let's say, $50,000 a year. And the first thing you're thinking of is, man, you know, Joe is, is making 100K a year. How do I get there? Right. It, he's outside mm-hmm. of me. I want that. So then you get to 100K a year and you're like, wow, but, but you know, Chaz is making 200K a year. How do I get that? And, and this is what I call the gap is, you know, you're constantly chasing. You know, the analogy I have of the gap is, is if you, you remember playing um, paper football when you were in like mm-hmm. grade school, you like fold up a paper football and you flick it between somebody's goalpost hands. Yep. Right. So if you imagine the goalpost hands, if you put it out, you know, you have your thumbs touching your and both your index fingers up where we are is, is at this, this the left pointer finger. And success Mm. is at the right pointer finger. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we start moving to the right. So then once we get to the right finger, the gap is still there. You're the left finger. There's something even farther. And really, it's like it's that gap in the middle that's constantly feeling empty. We're constantly not fulfilled. We're not happy enough, right? It's like you've seen the rates. Like happiness is down. Depression is way up. And it's because I think we're just constantly comparing ourselves to what's next what's next what's next what's next we don't take time to stop and be like what do i have what do i have to bring
it's just interesting because it, it's, it, you know, certainly talking about, you know, <laughs> trying to change the world and political outrage is very different than, you know, people measuring their success and, and those sorts of things. But fundamentally, it, it's the internal versus external kind of thing. Um, I won't name names because I don't want to embarrass the person, but I, I, I have a person who's very close to me that suffers greatly from depression and anxiety. And I have spent a very long time trying to help this person and I have never been successful. And in fact, my efforts to help typically result in both of us just being more frustrated. Um, so I, I recently started reading this book called feeling good. That's one of the pioneering books on cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's a fascinating read. I, I highly recommend anyone you know, dealing with depression, and anxiety, especially check it out. It's got a, a ton of great solutions in it. Um, but anyway, it also has this podcast called Feeling Good. And, it, you know, the, the doctor who wrote the book also does the podcast. And the, I decided to check out the podcast for the first time the other day. And the most recent episode that they had published was do's and don'ts for how to help someone with suffering from depression and anxiety. Like, oh my God, that's exactly what I've been looking for is this exact <laughs> bit of information. So I, I, I looked at it and, and it looked, you know, and listened to the podcast and, and understood how I need to, to change the way I am interacting in order to, to be more helpful to this person that I care about. And yet again, it's this lesson that, you know, I, I know very poignantly in the space of politics or something, right? But here again, I wasn't applying it universally. And I, what I, the actual truth is, is that for a long time, I've been trying to just force the other person to change, like, hey, do these things to not be depressed anymore. And that's not working. And, and then I'm getting frustrated. And so it's like, yet again, I have to look internally and figure out how to change the way I interact with that situation to hopefully generate a new outcome. Now, certainly there's no guarantee that I will ever help this person, but at least if nothing else, I can help myself not be quite as frustrated with it, right? Yeah. Um, I'd say you're a little bit more true to yourself, right? Which which I feel you're going to get the results you need to get. Whether I, Does that person turn around? They're like, all of a sudden they wake up the next day, I'm not depressed anymore. No, but sure. you feel better about the process that you're taking with it. Sure, sure. So. Um, but yeah, anyways, like I said, it just, it, it just to all the, just the, 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 the relationship between again, external versus internal and, and people, people's capacity to not really, you know, want to, um, to look inward and, and maybe want isn't even the right word, but just aren't aware that you don't all, you, you know, looking externally isn't actually where the answers are. The answers are, are within you, or like you were talking about with the, the people that you'd met over in Kenya, like maybe not just internally, but in your close life, you know, in the people that are really close to you, not just in <laughs> whoever you're following on Instagram or whatever the case may be. hundred percent. And I mean, it's funny you bring up awareness. It's, it's going in. I, I kind of set the book up of, you know, a here, here's the facts. Here's kind of what's happening. Everyone wants to be successful. Here's how we're looking at success right now. Then it's kind of like, Hey, here's the challenge it leads to it's this constant gap of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And I'm sure we've all been there, right? We always want more just a human condition at times. It's like, but it leads to this gap. And then it's really before you go into the book, it's what should you take into it? And, and the first thing I talk about is, is the, is awareness, right? For, for you to, I think, solve any problem, you have to, you have to be aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I, my, uh, my boss, my CEO of self-publishing school, he came out last, came out to Colorado 
about a year ago now. And we were sitting up late at night and we were just talking about fun business ideas and how can we grow and all the fun strategy stuff and, you know, philosophical talk. And, you know, he asked me, he's like, you know, what, what do you think is, is the one real quality that's going to determine if someone can be successful or not? Now, when he's talking about successful, he might be talking about how much revenue can they bring or how much money can they bring or how can they help grow a business? When I say successful, I just say, hey, how can you grow as a person in general, whether that's revenue or, or personally? And, and that's my my answer is always awareness. I think the one quality we need more of is awareness because we can't solve our problems. We can't know what solution to really give a problem in our life if we don't have that awareness. It's, it's yeah. like, kind of like you're wearing a you're wearing a tool belt. You know what I mean? And you you could have a hammer, which could be you know let's say courage, the quality of courage. You could have a screwdriver, which is resiliency. You could have a tape measure which is, you know, determination, whatever people think is the best quality to have. You don't know which one to pull if you don't know that you're looking at a nail. Uh, Right. So I I think that concept of just taking some time to sit back and just be aware first and foremost. It's like, oh, I am aware of this challenge. Or, oh, I I am aware that I want to change. Or, oh, I, I am aware that this is what I can bring to the world. If you don't have that, it's very difficult to kind of go into my book. And I also think it's very difficult to look internally. Um, yeah. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it totally does. Um, and I, I, that that's, it, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of look at it. And it, it kind of, again, speaks to that, you know, current, at least United States political cultural climate where, everyone is tribing up as hard as they can and everyone wants to be on a team. And, and what that results in is if, you know, let's use the tool belt analogy you were doing. Well, if I expect you to, to hammer the nail, but you don't know that you're looking at a nail. So you take out the screwdriver. Well, instead of just assuming that maybe you aren't aware, which is what you're talking about, the current climate is that people want to accuse each other of being having disingenuous motivations. Like, Oh, you didn't pull the hammer out because you want to use the screwdriver and then bill me extra <laughs> when you have to come back and fix it with the hammer. Screwdriver's or, best team screwdriver, team hammer. Right. <laughs> right. But suck. Well, and so what I mean is that it, it, it becomes hard in that kind of environment or that kind of, you know, those kinds of conversations, it can be hard to learn and grow because if you don't know something, that it, it, it's maybe not okay. You're instead of accused of, again, having some bad motive, you're a bad actor to begin with. And that's why this is true. And there's all this questioning of people's motivations. And, and again, I don't mean to imply that no one is a bad actor, that no one has bad motivations, but generally I don't think that that is what is true of people. And, and so I think it's really cool that it, the way that you're framing this is not, Hey, you're wrong about something as much as, Hey, like, let's actually just take a look at this and let's actually try and explore this idea. And it's not about, you know, <laughs> whether or not you came into this, you know, with whatever motivation, but just simply let's just have a conversation. Um, and I think that that's something that's largely missing today is people just willing to have a conversation about something and just explore ideas. Yeah. it is. I think it's like we become so uh, set in our own beliefs. And they're like, well, this is me no matter what. I am this way of thinking that we're not open to hearing other people. It's like, I can totally listen to you on certain thoughts and disagree. Doesn't mean I don't respect the way you're looking at it. And right. it kind of goes back to, I think the last thing we talked about when I was on the, the um, 
the show, the walk show, talk show. <laughs> this yeah. is a concept of balance. It's like, man, if you, I don't know if you're a big, like, you know, the yin yang symbol. Oh, yes. It's like you need equal parts of both. And I think we get in so many debates with people. And if you think of the yin yang symbol, we're like, oh, the whole yin yang symbol has to be white. It has to be my way. It's like, damn, it wouldn't be a yin yang symbol. You've, you've got to be able to listen to people from the other side, potentially see where they're coming from in certain areas. There's a lot of people that I work with, a lot of friends that I have. I just, at a surface level, they tell me something. I just don't agree with it. But if I'm at least able to take that step back and listen to where they're coming from, shit, that might make, it might make my beliefs stronger it might make me more creative with how i look at beliefs and i think you come up with better solutions when you can take the strengths of both sides whether of an argument a, you know a political debate you take the strengths of what each side has to bring you take the strengths of you know what your friend's saying about depression versus what how you feel it's like you, you, finding that middle ground is, is extremely difficult but i also think it's totally worth it yeah no i agree completely um i mean to to briefly reference Jordan Peterson again, that's actually why I was so drawn to Jordan Peterson, because for most of my life, I've been a very, again, you know, kind of left, you know, or, or liberal type of person. And uh, there was definitely a period in my 20s where I just completely wrote off, you know, quote unquote, the other side or whatever. And Jordan Peterson was someone who is is a conservative, like you said, he's not, you know, alt right or some super far right person, but he's definitely conservative right, right for Breitbart over there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he he is able to explain the value and the reasoning behind a lot of conservative positions or ideologies that make a lot of sense where it's like, oh, oh, yeah, that actually does make sense. Like, maybe I don't think that it's the best way or maybe I don't fully agree with it still. But it, again, kind of what I was talking about before with like people's motivations, it's like, oh, well, this is just actually an earnest attempt at solving the problem and you came to a different conclusion, but it's not because you're trying to, you know, you being Jordan Peterson in this case, but it's like, it's not out of a sense of sabotaging things. It's um, it, it's just a difference of, of view. And and he talks, he does talk about the the value of of both liberalism and conservatism. And that's actually the thing that you said just a moment ago is the thing that has stuck with me since we spoke last time, is the idea of balance. Um, I don't know how many times over the last nine months I've shaken my fist at the sky and yelled Dylan Barr. <laughs> yes! Because because something will come up and just be like, oh my God, it's just all about balance. You know what I mean? Like it's just this such a pervasive um, concept that is is found you know, literally everywhere, <laughs> the need for balance. 100%. I mean, if you really think about it, Zen Buddhism was really kind of formed using aspects of Buddhism, but also using aspects of Taoism, right? So mm. everyone knows Buddhism, but like the Taoism is that that is, you know, the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu's mm -hmm. thought of, of, of this concept of balance. And I really think you people go to gurus because they're seeking all this enlightenment. And I think that's a great path to have. And what a lot of times I listen to a lot of Alan Watts, it's like people get to the end of it and they're like, so that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I think a guru's job is is to, you know, frustrate people to a point of like, oh, my, I might as well just give up. It's always mm. going to be, you know, there's always going to be bad. There's always going to be good. It's like, it, so there is an aspect of giving up to this. It's a balance, right? It's like, you know, oh, I get so frustrated at this person, but I also need you to understand who I am. Mm -hmm. And I can learn from you to come more to the middle at times, just like you can learn from me to come more to the middle at times. Um, it's super frustrating, but I think it can also be extremely liberating. It's like, you know, 
the Buddha always talked about walking that path between fear and desire. You're always going to lean one way. You're always going to lean the other. I think it's the same time. Any, you get into any debate, it's like you got to be willing to tread that line and see both sides of it. Something else that I, I think about and, and talk about quite a bit is just the, the the amount of nuance that there is in things. And I, I feel like we've moved to this place where people want everything to be binary, which is why the tribalism is so popular, because it makes it really easy because you don't have to think about it. It's just, oh, you're on the blue team. Well, I'm on the red team, so I'm out <laughs> or whatever the team colors are. Right. And it's like, it, it, on its face, it makes it more simple because you don't have to consider it. You just know who your friends and enemies are or something. But it's not actually true. And, 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 and there actually is just a ton of nuance in that. Now, there is such a balance to nuance that some things aren't nuanced, right? Like, I don't think there's ever a place for, you know, just open bigotry, for example. Right. So it's not to say that literally everything is a gray area because there are some, some things like racism that aren't. Um, but individual people are absolutely 100% gray area. Um, and when we get so rigid with it, I think is the scary part. Cause then it's like, well, right. no, it's always, it's always black and white or it's always gray. It's like, well, there's, there's, how about we just agree that the fact that there's times that this is wrong. And then there's times that there's a middle ground. It's right. I think it helps us make sense out of, of, of the world a bit more. It's like, we want to make sense out of everything. We want everything to make logical sense. And that's why people could talk about death forever because it's, it's just everyone's argument of what happens at our most scary moment of our life. When, our ego disintegrates. It's like, we just want to make sense of it. And I think when we're living, we want to make sense of everything, which is why we join tribes. We feel comfortable. We're like, Oh, great. This is, this is my tribe. And I, I'm right. Yeah. And then you get eco chambers to back it up. You know what I mean? Yes. Which sucks. I, I don't know if I've watched a really good uh, Ted talk. I wish I knew who it was by, but he just talked to the, about the idea of eco chambers. And he's this black guy, left thinker, um, you know, kind of, he, he's used to listening to MSNBC, all of that stuff. And he's, he, he gets used to those eco chambers and he, he had this social experiment. He's like, you know what? I am going to be just a hardcore Confederate flag, flag waving, uh, super right thinker. And he's like, I'm going to, he created, I think like a social media page specifically for that. And hmm. he, he kind of dove into that eco chamber. He saw what people were sharing. He saw what people were saying. And like he said, there was, of course, there was a lot of really bad things. He's like, but if, if you go, if you scroll enough in like the threads of comments or what people are sharing, it's like, you, you see that there's just human beings here. 
you know, like right. talking about their family, talking about their kids, finding community and where they're at. Um, he's like, it, it was, it was really crazy for me to see. It's like, and then you get stuck in that eco chamber getting reinforced with your tribe over and over and over again. It's like, we, right. we need to take a step back and get outside that. Even if we don't agree with the other side, it's just, he was saying it was one of the most freeing things he's ever done. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so something that, and I'm jumping way back now to the beginning of our conversation. How but dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the walk show. <laughs> Incoherent ramblings. Um, so you talked about how you and your fiance had spent time in Kenya mm-hmm. uh, working with that company. And and so what's, it, it's so, <laughs> it's hilarious that that's immediately what you said, because whenever you had told me the title of your book uh, and kind of the, you know, the premise of it or whatever, one of the thoughts I had was like, well, maybe that makes sense in a country like America, but go to a third world country and does it make sense there? But that's actually exactly the experience you had that motivated you. <laughs> Objection <laughs> instantly <laughs> solved. No, yeah. no, it was funny before we went to uh, before we went to Kenya. We we lived in Boulder, Colorado for a while, and um, obviously huge into Netflix. Anytime I got mm-hmm. done working, and you know, obviously you watch Office for a really long time. But we we started getting into documentaries, and you know, one of my favorite documentaries that I watched was it's literally called Happy. And I don't know if it's mm. if it's still on Netflix, but it talks about actually going into like the the happiness rates of countries, um, successful countries, non successful countries, and you know what you, they've really come to find is is these these villagers living in third world countries, you know, um, with a job of literally walking people. I don't know if you ever seen like those manual tuk-tuks but it's like someone sits and you have two wheels and then basically the Mm -hmm. guy holds a bar and he kind of takes you where you need to go it's like it's the first person that they kind of uh profiled and how Mm. happy they were to go home to their shanty house and be with their family it's like so much damn happiness there and and you go to then a country like japan which has a bunch of success a bunch of people in you know the, the finance world and you have people jumping off buildings because they devoted their life to the job and realized they fucking hate it um, right. end up killing themselves you know like like suicide rates are just skyrocket high in areas like that so that really is what first intrigued me to and i'm like man these people are so damn happy then going over there it's like i go over there to, to teach people how to sell right teach people how to make money and, and of course people need to do it like to live in a world where you're not making any money that would that would definitely suck but they're making money but it's not their focus and i think that's the i think that's the big takeaway of that i'd like to get across in my book i'm not saying money is bad i'm not saying fame's bad i'm not saying accomplishments are bad but to solely focus on those is the losing game right right yeah, I um, yeah, I, I understand you're not arguing for abject poverty as the the alternative to Let's <laughs> all the money and get rid of all the awards. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think there, I think there, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I have had a thought, and I'm interested, I guess, to see what your your thought of that is or your take on it is. But I had a thought once that the value of setting goals, um. Yeah, I don't know. And to be clear, this isn't universally true because there are things that happen that are entirely outside of people's control. Mm-hmm. But the the one of the values of setting goals is that if you set a goal, it kind of allows you to define 
the thing that you are going to be striving for and working on. Mm -hmm. And so it almost kind of like helps define like what your stress <laughs> to some extent is going to be because you're, you're kind of choosing what that is and what that, that path is. And the, if you, because I think people are inherently problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And so by, by picking a goal, you, you select a problem for yourself to work on to solve. Um, and if you don't have a goal, then inevitably your mind will still find a problem to solve. It just might not be a problem that, that needs to be solved or that is, that is actually real. Um, and instead it might be something that you kind of manifest maybe even subconsciously, but inevitably because your mind needs something to try and, and solve. Um, does, does that make sense? Does that sound hundred percent? So it almost sounds like too, it's like, yeah, but you want to make sure you're stretching. You want to make sure you're, you're shooting for these goals. And I a hundred percent agree with this. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I, coach a strategy sales team with the self-publishing school. So it's like, we, we obviously have to make sure we're hitting numbers for the company to be sustainable. Um, so every, every Friday we get together and um, we kind of aim for the, for the next week. We're like, Hey, what is it that I really want to achieve? You know, it's like, and we, so we think of our big goals for the year, for the quarter. It's like, man, I want to, I want to make X money. And I, I think that's totally fine to say, I want to, I want to make X money. I want to increase, you know, my salary by this much, all of that. I think it's great to get across, but I think that's great to have. The very next thing that we do is we attach our deep desire to it. So the question we ask ourselves is, okay, well, you want to increase your salary because you want what? You know, well, I want to increase my salary because I, I, uh, I want to live a bit more comfortably. Okay. Well, you want to live a bit more comfortably because you want what? Well, I want to live a bit more comfortably. It's just, I just want peace of mind. I want more freedom. Okay. And you want more freedom because, well, I want more freedom because, you know, if, if I have more freedom, I can give my absolute full undivided attention to my family. Why do you want that? Well, I want to, you don't want to give my kid, I want to give my kid the upbringing that I think he deserves, you know, and so on and so forth. It's mm -hmm. shooting for these goals. is always attached to something deeper. I think that mm. makes us, us. I don't have a kid, so that's not my deep desire, right? But, but I have a sales rep where that is his deep desire. And I like how sure. when, when you talked about your, your, your big goal is you use the word problem solving, right? I think right there is, is you're already onto something. If you, you continue to ask yourself, well, well, why do you want to problem solve? You know, it, it, for me, what's kind of coming up is, is a sense of creativity. Right? I want to be creative mm -hmm. and solve a solution. That is specifically Walker, right? And I think that's what makes you, you. That's, I could have the exact same goal and my drive to achieve it is completely different. So for instance, one of the values I talk about that I hold really strong in my life is this value of discipline I gained from my grandfather. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love to be disciplined. I love this, this disciplined mind of enjoying the process and being mm -hmm. like, man, I'm absolutely mastering myself and I, I find joy in it rather than the outcome. However, I need that outcome to be able to, to find joy in this process. So, right. so right there is... If you were to just say this is the this is the the number I'm shooting for, this is the job I'm shooting for, that's going to I think that's you're just going to kind of burn yourself out shooting for it. But if you're saying, man, I really want to solve this problem, I want to get creative with a way to solve this, then you're tying yourself back to your deep desire. Does that make sense? It does. And actually, you know, in listening to your your response, what what struck me is that, of course, what you're actually talking about is that there's yet again a balance. Right. So you're not saying never 
shoot to achieve something, never try and make money, never try and have a goal or accomplishment or, or fame or whatever it is that you want. However, just like you shouldn't never do that, you also shouldn't exclusively do that. Sure. Instead, there's a balance, right? Yeah. There's a nuance to it where both things kind of get married together. And that's actually the the way to, to fulfillment and to happiness. You shouldn't, yeah, exactly. You just shouldn't solely fixate on that. I think I give the right. examples of like, you know, cause I talk about money, fame and accomplishments and wish I knew all three examples I gave. I was, you know, Bill Gates has, you know, made a lot of money in his life. I don't think that's what he just set out for solely thinking about it. It's like he, he wants to save the world. He wants to help humanity. He, he's got a deeper purpose. You know, the, the Beatles, became extremely famous in their time. I don't think that was their main focus. I think the main focus was they wanted to spread this word of love using their creative talents of singing, mm-hmm. singing guitar and drumming. You know, it's like they all had talents apparently except for Ringo, but uh, <laughs> it's like they had something kind of fueling the motor is what I talk about. It's like mm-hmm. you think of think of these goals and you know money fame accomplishments those are mile markers and you can achieve those you should always have mile markers so you know what you're where you're going but if you're running on an empty tank you're 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 just trotting the whole way your car's breaking down and your car is yourself you know what i mean so you got to constantly top up that fuel you got to constantly top up the oil and i think the way to do that is like what makes me run like what gets me out of bed what what gets me excited you got to think of those and then you got to find ways to to keep those at the forefront because I think it's great to be like, oh, this is what's important to me. You know, let's say creativity is Walker's thing. It's great for us to talk about why it's so important, but we're just philosophical assholes if, <laughs> if we just end it there. It's like, okay, if this is so important, like, how are you going to remind yourself this? Because it is very easy to fall back into this pit of just focusing on the fame or just focusing on that goal. Why are you focusing on that goal? Who are you? Who is the person that's trying to focus on that goal? That's what I want Mm -hmm. to get across. Yeah. So I I laughed a little bit when you said that discipline was the thing. It's not because I think it's funny. It's because yet again, here we are with all these synchronicities where, uh, so, you know, I had shared with you earlier and the listeners who have listened to at least the last several months of episodes. Thank you so much, listeners. (laughs) That I've, uh, I've started 
on this whole, you know, self-development path. Well, the very first book that I read that kind of was the, you know, I, I'd, I'd had a lot of thoughts and I kind of had a little bit of a breakdown um, and, and decided that I was going to take some action to try and, you know, change the way I was feeling. Um, and the first book that I got is a book by this guy named Jocko Wilnick, who was, used to be a Navy SEAL. And the book is called Discipline Equals Freedom. Um, and, and yeah, it's just all about the, the value of discipline and the, the ways in which it can empower you and, you know, effectively set you free. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's interesting that of course that's in, that's in our company, uh, extreme ownership by, yeah, Joe there you go. It's huge. So yeah, yeah, man, I think, I think an easy way it's like, and then that's why it's crazy. I, I, uh, and that could be, that could ring true to you. I'd probably read that book and eat it up. It might not ring true to everybody. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I have, uh, currently have a couple colleagues and friends down at, uh, Tony Robbins date with destiny. Mm-hmm. He's got these big events and they're, they're learning so damn much. And it's like, I, I talk with them and they're like, man, you got to come down and check it out. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm super happy for you. Just, I, and I love Tony Robbins. Like I grew up my mom read him all the time. It was, he was called Anthony Robbins when I was growing up and I saw the books, but it, there's, there's no pull to me. I don't think that's to say he's a bad guy or he sucks at what he does. It's, it's, it doesn't pull to me this, the way it would pull to somebody else. And sure. But if it pulls to my colleagues, I'm like, man, for all, all intents and purposes, you go, you go do that. And you take as much as you can in and you set an intention of what you want to learn and take something out of it. You know, it's like, and I think we, we, again, when we live in these tribes, it's like much smaller. It's like, oh, you've got to read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It will change your life. And then mm-hmm. someone goes to read and they're like, this, this isn't me. I don't, right. I don't see the efficiency in this. Maybe they're an efficiency guru. They love that stuff. It's like, no, but you gotta, you gotta like it. it I, I gained so much from it. You should gain so much from it. It's like, that's just, that might not be their internal value. I think the first thing we need to do is take a step back and be like, man, what is important to us? Um, what are my internal values? And start making your decisions based off that. I don't think anyone's going to like take a you know step back and meditate or pray on what, what's my internal value. And they just come up with, gosh, you know what my internal value is just murder. Like, I don't think that few and far between are people just going to come up with a horrible internal value. It's like, you're going to have something super important to you. Um, start seeking that out more. Start making sure you're putting that in the forefront of your mind. I, th- I think that's what we need to do. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, now, it's interesting that you say that. And it's, uh, are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. So he's probably my favorite you know, nonfiction author, at least. Um, I love, love me some Gladwell. And not only have I read all his books, but I've also watched as many of his interviews and talks and stuff on YouTube as I can find. Well, back in 2004, he did a TED talk. Um, that's kind of famous, I guess. That's about spaghetti sauce. Have you ever seen that TED talk? I will definitely write this down. (laughs) So spoiler alert. Um, he basically is talking about this guy. I think his name's like Howard Moskowitz, who was a um, oh man, now I can't remember what the profession is called because it's something very weird. But basically, it's like the science of measuring things. Mm-hmm. And so this Howard guy goes to work for these. His consulting firm goes to work for these spaghetti sauce companies. And it, in I think it was in like the seventies. There were only two types of spaghetti sauce, and it was like like maybe spicy and then sweet. And that's it. And so what Howard Moskowitz does is, is does all this, 
all this surveying and gets all this data and finds that actually there's also a segment of the population that likes extra chunky. Um, however, in focus groups, no one ever says that because they're not maybe even consciously aware that that's what they want. So Howard Moskowitz is kind of the catalyst for, for really all of the diversity that we see in brands at grocery stores. And Malcolm Gladwell's conclusion is that we are happier because of the choices that we have, because it, there's a more nuance, right, for everyone to kind of find what they want instead of just having uh, one or two choices. And that we achieve happiness by embracing the diversity of people and, and instead of trying to force people into certain boxes. And so it just made me think of that when you're talking about like, well, just because even, a you know, maybe not spaghetti sauce or something, but even just a book could resonate for one person really well and not for another. And it doesn't invalidate either party's position, right? Like it doesn't mean that the guy who read the book is an idiot. And it doesn't mean the person who's not into it is an idiot. Mm -hmm. um, could you imagine if there was only like two books that we could ever read? It's <laughs> weird. It's like, I wonder if that plays out any place else in our society where you can only pick one of two things and it dictates a majority of your life. Yeah, I not really not. I mean, not anything that's sold, right? Because someone else will come and be like, well, hey, I've got a new thing I can sell you that no one else is selling. And now that's, you know, that takes off. So I don't know. It's, um, I, I, I think it's crazy that our political system is set up that way. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> you exactly are either what I was a ready sweet to person or you are a spicy person. I don't give a fuck if you like chunky. Right, right. Right. But yeah, there's a whole segment of motherfuckers that want chunky. So. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, man, what if what if we could do sweet, sweet and spicy? What if I like tangy? Right. Well, and now there's like 37 different like varieties of just ragu spaghetti sauce. Right. So it's way beyond the three. And now it's expanded to this whole catalog of choices. Um, but I think that's a really important. And again, it goes and it ties right back into nuance and balance. But I think it's a really important idea for people to really internalize is this idea that <laughs> that diversity is good. And I don't just mean ethnic or class or gender diversity. Those things are important too. You mean spaghetti but also, right. But just diversity of, of ideas, literally all of them. Um, and, and yeah, I think that there's much more to be gleaned and gotten out of that than there is, um, than there is trying to force everything into these pigeonholes. Well, there's been so many times when I'm writing this book and when I'm getting ready, obviously it's getting towards the finish line, right? It's like, so at first mm -hmm. you're just writing it. I'm like, this is a cool concept to me. Great. And then it's like the next step is like, I'm editing it and I have a professional editor look at it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to, what are they going to think of my thoughts? You know? And then they, they're past that. And you know, then you're getting the producing the book and now it's getting to the point where I'm actually putting it out there. And there's been so much fear of like, God, what if people don't like it? What if people don't get it? And I think we get, we get caught in these fears of like, oh, what if, what if? It's like, man, if you don't like it, then it's not written for you. <laughs> Put the book down. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, uh, there's going to be people that I that that will resonate with it, and that that's my job is to reach those people and, and see how I can help them. Just like your job with this podcast is to uh, is is to reach the people that enjoy listening to this shit. Fuck the rest of the people. Doesn't mean they're yeah. the devil. Doesn't mean you're the devil because they don't like it. Right. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I've definitely had some people offer critiques and advice and things and, and not that I'm not open to it. I, I'm more than happy to hear other people's opinions on how they think the walk show could go. And, and I've taken some of the advice, 
But then there's been other times where it's like, I just have to respectfully say just what you did, where it's like, well, it just might not be for you then. That that episode maybe wasn't for you or that part of the episode isn't for you. And it, it it's not because I don't care that you don't like it. It's just that um, I can't try and tailor everything to every other individual's preference because <laughs> I, I would never be able to publish an episode. So I, was, right? I was speaking with a person on my team and it's like kind of you know long story short it's like she really wanted to help this person move and she didn't know if the person liked her or not and she wanted the person to like her and it's like she's end of the day trying to figure out what she wants to do and all these things and she's going through all this stress and you can see it on her face because we were talking via video it's just like man like stop trying to get everyone to like you and i've definitely been there right it's like i get there with my book it's like i want everyone to love it it's like we waste so much time caring what other people think about us. And it's like, we build up this wall of like, you, this is who Dylan is, or this is who Walker is. Please fucking like me. We're just like afraid mm-hmm. to be vulnerable and be like, no, this is who I am. You might not like me and that's totally okay. I still love and respect you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it, it's crazy. I mean, to some extent that's, you know, could be boiled down to like, just dealing with insecurities and and self-confidence type stuff. Right. And it's interesting to me how much self-confidence actually plays into um, the way people feel about things. In the end, not at all times, you know, if someone gets diagnosed with cancer or something, well, maybe it's not just a self-confidence matter. You know, there, there are things that are outside of people's control that completely invade their lives. So I'm not trying to diminish that, but Outside of those kinds of examples, um, a lot of people are just really held back by all their own insecurities and fears and doubt. And to be clear, me too. So I'm not saying this as the guru or something that's overcome that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just, it's wild how, how often our own internal dialogue is really the thing that's holding us back not anything else, you know, going on outside. hundred percent. I mean, I have the same friends that are at Tony Robbins that are learning things that I could have swore I've taught them before or talked to them. <laughs> I'm like, you son of a bitch, because I'm not this big guy with these huge hands teaching this to you from a stage. You know, you're not going to take this from me. It's like, I've, I've, it's jealousy, right? It's because I want to be put on this. You know, I, my ego is like, I'd love to be put on this pedestal where people are learning from me. I'd love to be the guru. It's like, that shouldn't be it. It's, it's, it's my own self-conscious, you know? let them learn from somebody else let them learn from a different voice or through a different channel it's and, and you're right like we, we should be talking about these things and not pointing the finger saying all these people need to get better at this but not us it's like we're talking about this shit and, and we're able to relate to it because we've went through it ourselves right. um, and i think more of us need to start bringing that up in conversations when like you teach someone it's like i tell people when i teach them I'm like the only way i can teach you this is because i've had a similar challenge and beat my head against a brick wall like you have it's like we we all have these flaws within us it's like fucking show them to the world and then start discussing ideas and be like hey i've been in your position before that sucks can i give you my thoughts only because i know exactly how you're feeling right now right right yeah another theme that constantly comes up and i don't know if this is is a part of you know what you've written or not but a thing a theme that i consistently see it also just seems to be fundamental to um, people understanding each other, at least to some extent. And, and that's just simply the concept of empathy, which I think now is almost <laughs> almost kind of a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. But it, it, it really is like and it's not that you have to assume the feeling of someone else or that you have to agree with them, but that you can just actually let yourself go 
where they are to just understand where they're coming from. Again, you don't have to agree, but just recognize again that they're not a monster, right? That they're yeah. <laughs> that they came to this conclusion through some rational means, even if it doesn't seem rational to you now in that moment, you know? Yeah. It's just like, no, I understand. I don't agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people, it's like, we also have this challenge every time we talk about empathy as we go too far with it. Like, you know, it's the empath culture where everyone's like, I'm an empath. Um, I can feel what other people are feeling. I don't only understand them. It's like, I was reading, um, strengths finder it's a it's a really good book and it's just a quiz you can take it's like what are your top strengths and you know one one of the top ones when i took it was empathy so maybe i'm good at it but they, they talk about it when, when when you're reading the profile of someone that has an empathy strength and they say a lot of people confuse like understanding what people where people are coming from with feeling them exactly it's like that's not yes. empathy that's sympathy that's what I was going to say is people really need to be calling themselves the sympath. Exactly. It's like you're fully feeling it in your bones. It's like, yeah, you're a sympath. You're not an empath. It's like an empath. is just like, no, I understand that. Even if you right. don't agree. Right. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a strange time that we, that we live in, at least here in the United States. This is by far the most, um, I, I, I don't know if volatile is the right word, but just, there's just so much t- tense maybe is the better word. There's just so much tension all the time with everything. Um, and I just, I think it's great to see, you know, like the book that you've written something that again is, is, is not trying to tell people how it is in the context of right and wrong, but in just of like, again, Hey, let's explore this. Let's look at this and let's see if there's something to be gleaned from it. And maybe, maybe someone reads your book and every single word isn't, you know, the gospel to them now, but, but maybe there's segments of it. Maybe there's chapters, maybe there's certain paragraphs, certain sentences that people will be highlighting that, that will resonate. And, and, and I just, again, I just, uh, there's a lot of value in that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things there that, I mean, it's one of the things I talk about at the end is, is obviously I use myself as an example. It's like, I'm definitely not perfect. I've, I've been in these challenges. I've focused on success a lot and it's, focused on making money and it's really hurt me and then it's i look inwards and we want to be perfect right just like i want to write a perfect book it's like people i'm never gonna write a perfect book i I don't know a single book i've ever read where every fucking word i'm like man this person is just talking specifically to dylan there's been areas that it's like okay that make it cool but but really when i take away my favorite books i'm thinking of a couple of lines, a couple of paragraphs, a chapter here, a chapter there still makes it a great book. Um, I think, yeah, it's this fear that everyone has to be perfect to do something. And I also think the thing that we need to get better at is just being like more vulnerable. It's like just being yeah. able to open up and just be vulnerable and not care if someone doesn't agree with you. It's, it's, uh, well, what's interesting about that is that people think that people put up the walls to protect their vulnerability because they think that's when they'll get judged but it's actually those walls that lead to to the judging because then it's confusing because you're not actually being your real self. And so then other people maybe don't identify that you're not being your real self necessarily, but simply there's this kind of barrier between the connection that you could have because you won't let it happen because you're afraid of the vulnerability. Whereas in fact, if you just lean into that vulnerability, it, it's much more likely that you connect, uh, you know, Seth Rogen, I'm sure the, the famous uh, actor. Uh, uh, yeah. I wish I could do his laugh. Yeah, I know. I actually just watched, uh, <laughs> I just watched long shot this weekend. It was hilarious. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So he, 
he was talking one time about how, and I don't know what interview it was, but some interview about how, you know, they made uh, super bad. And uh, I can't think of the other one that's from that same era, but whatever had made a few movies that were, that they, they wrote when they were high school kids. Right. Yeah. So they're very vulnerable and very much in, in these movies. And then they go on and eventually make green Hornet. I think mm-hmm. he stars in, and that like total bomb, right? Like critical and commercial failure. And he talked about how it, that was kind of the, the final straw of him understanding that like, it turns out that the more personal and vulnerable he makes his films, the more they're accepted and the more they resonate with people, even though in something like super bad, they wrote it from the perspective of high school kids in Canada. So it's like, how many people are really going to relate to this? Well, it turns out millions <laughs> are going to relate to it, even though it's not their exact story because it's personal and vulnerable. It is relatable. I think that just goes to show it's like, if it's super scary to do it but if if we are willing to be vulnerable like what could actually come from it maybe someone reads like well, you know reach the happiness gap and they realize a big internal value for them is vulnerability it's, it's one of the things that i talk about going into the book it's you, you got to have vulnerability at least looking at what makes you you and you, you got to be willing to, to to live that life and not be afraid of what other people say right right if you were to look up it's just something that i write about in my book if you're to look up the definition of vulnerable like a simple definition, like mm-hmm. you were to be a, just a horrible uh, best man speech. Like Webster's Dictionary defines uh, vulnerable as susceptible to physical or emotional harm. It's like, mm-hmm. man, I would imagine our culture reads that and they're like, I don't want to fucking be vulnerable. It sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds like this big, bad fucking creatures coming after me. And I'm like this susceptible to getting hurt by it. Like this, you know, weak little creature. Um but if you start looking up like synonyms for each of the words, like mm-hmm. physical and emotional harm is, is pretty easy to get, right? But uh, the synonym for susceptible, which is a confusing word for me at first, is the first synonym that comes up is open to. Mm. So if I were to take that same definition and just rephrase it to open to physical or emotional harm, it's like, fuck, I'm a badass. Like, I don't care what's coming at me. Right. I'm open to it. And I think we just need to have more of a... Uh, we need to have more of that type of culture where it's like, I'm totally open to being hurt and that's okay. Cause I know who I am. First thing we need to do is know who we are. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think to some extent that ties into kind of what I was talking about a little bit with, with the, the idea of, of having that confidence, right. Having that confidence to be vulnerable and to, to put yourself out there so that you can get those, you know, deeper kind of connections. Well, so I, I, something I was going to ask that's a little diverging from from what we were just talking about, but is um, you've obviously went through a pretty long process of of writing this book. Um, it, it, is this the first really large writing exercise like this that you've done? Hundred percent. I mean, I've probably wanted to write a book for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that, that's one of the things I, I joined self-publishing school for. I just love the concept of saying, fuck it to a publisher and, and saying, I can, I can write this. I can get it out there. I can reach someone with this. Um, so yeah, this is the first big writing piece I've done. Other than I wrote a nonfiction book or a fiction book about me saving a baby sea otter when I was in uh, third grade. Okay. Is that <laughs> available on Amazon as well? 
I am I'm, I'm trying to find it, and that I will be publishing that <laughs> next next year. No, but this is this is the first big piece, man. And, and honestly, it shouldn't have taken as long as it did. I mean, I, our company helps people go from blank page to published author in 90 days. And I probably could have did it. I, I, I finished the rough draft in 30 days. And then I was just an asshole and sat back and didn't self edit because I was nervous of looking at my own writing. Um, so I, I did nothing for two, like two months after I talked with you, I was just like, I'm amazing. And I did nothing <laughs> and then try to pick that momentum back up. So uh, first big piece took me about nine months to really take to the finish line. And, and I'm looking to write my next book, uh, probably early next year. And I'd like to get that done in, in, you know, three to six months. Awesome. So, so was the writing experience what you anticipated or did it, did it kind of surprise you with what it it brought? No, I mean, having foundations, I think is huge. I think everyone's like scared to write a book because they don't know what to do. They're like, Oh, how do I do this? It's like they, they research, they start just typing on a a word document and then they're, (laughs) they get halfway through like, what, where the hell am I going with this? And, um, they just spend a lot of their time trying to like go through the, the plethora of information you can find on Google. Mm. Um, so having a foundation that self-publishing school put together, having kind of that framework, it was a lot easier mm-hmm. than I had made it in my head. It's like I set up my overall um, outline for the book, and then I kind of broke that up into chapters, and then I outlined each chapter. So I knew exactly what I wanted to hit on, and me, love and discipline, it's like I enjoyed that whole process. So it's yeah. then I went chapter by chapter by chapter. The, the book was finished, right? By no means perfect. So then you go back and you do a self-edit, you get a lot of you know apps for free that'll just read your book aloud to you. Mm. So it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense here. I can change some shit up here. I can change some shit up here. And I, I did my self-edit. And then as I'm self-editing it, I'm finding an editor, professional editors, a bunch of professional editors out there you can find. Um, we have a really good Rolodex. A lot of people go on Fiverr mm-hmm. um, to find editors. You, know, you, you get what you pay for. So I found a pretty good editor. And then um, she, while she was looking at it, I was finding someone that could do my cover design and Again, we have a Rolodex, so I was pretty fortunate there. But you can find people to do cover designs, you know, on the World Wide Web as well. And then, then I wanted it formatted because I wanted it to be an ebook and a paperback. And once I had all those things in place, then it's like, okay, it's come, it's turned into a book. Um, now I created a workbook along with it too, so people could kind of work in a workbook and put their internal values mm. down as some place to actually write it. Yeah. And then now it's 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 getting ready to launch it. So now it's it's everything's kind of come into place and it's, it's, they're about to send it back to me and I'm, I'm good to put it up on Amazon and Amazon's got this um, function of it where it's just print on demand. So someone buys a paperback from my profile and as soon as they buy it, it gets printed and sent to them. So I don't have to worry about any of those logistics. Oh, nice. um, all I have to do is make sure I launch it. Like what Amazon wants to see is are people buying your product and are they reviewing it? So what I, what I do now is I create a launch team you know, 200 to 300 people that are saying, Hey, I want to, let me read the book for free. I give the book for free to them. And the only thing I ask is that they, you know, pick up a 99 cent ebook when I publish and, um, leave an honest review, whether you liked it or whether you hated it, it's totally up to you. Uh, But just leave reviews. Then you're able to show Amazon, Hey, people are picking this up. People are reviewing it. It's, 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 it's not like it's just a word document out there. And, more people can start to read it from there. And that's where I kind of look to make my ripple effect with it. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds pretty interesting. I, uh, how, how would someone sign up to, to do that if they were interested? Oh, great question, Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, honestly, I, I created my own website, my own author website. It's just Dylan that they can go to. It's D I L L O N B 
B-A-R-R.com. Um, and if you'd like to go to um, be a part of my launch team, it's just DylanBar.com forward slash launch team. You know, you put your first name, last name, and email in it. And then it, within two minutes, I, I send you an automated email that I've set up. Uh, you only get three emails total, I promise. Um <laughs> You get, an, you get an automated email from me that says, hey, this is what I'm really looking for. I give you a link to my book. You, you can read it. You get a, you get a free copy of my, uh, my fillable workbook as well with it. And just give it a read. And, and when, I publish, when I publish on Amazon December 29th, I just ask for people to, to pick it up and, and give it a review if you would like. Yeah. Yeah, I know that sounds pretty interesting. I'm pretty sure when we're done recording, I'll be hitting up the website um, just because it, it, it feels like this book is just right in line with, like I said, a lot of the other stuff I've been reading. Um, because it's, you know, I started with discipline is equals freedom. And there were parts of that book that resonated with me. Um, but that book is, you know, Jocko Wilnick, obviously, is a Navy SEAL. So the book is written almost like some sort of war manual or something. And yeah, he's intense in a very good way. It is. Yeah, it's all very good. But it's a little too intense for me to just base my life off of that. Because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I don't want the to constantly feel like I'm in battle, even if arguably I am. Um, And so then I went on and read The Power of Habit, which is this book that's really just deep dives into how habits work and different ways in which they manifest, both in individuals and organizations and societies and just all sorts of stuff. Um, And that felt like it was kind of like the graduated version of Discipline Equals Freedom, uh, and then after that, I started seeing this counselor and she put me onto that feeling good book I talked about. Well, prior to all of that, the, the first book that I'd ever really reviewed for the walk show is a very famous book called how to win friends and influence people. Um, and I had never read it because I always thought it was a book on like how to trick people or how to manipulate people or something. It's and, a very weird title. I always thought that as well. Right. But it's not, it's actually a book about empathy, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's, it, it's been interesting to me how even that, which isn't, I mean, I guess it's personal development, but not, um, not focused in the same way on, on as, as the other books were, but it, a lot of the lessons in that are coming back up in this other stuff that I'm learning. Um, so I'm really interested to see, cause I'm certain there will be connection. I'm really interested to see how the happiness gap will kind of tie into, to those other things I've been reading and be part of my little building blocks here. I don't know what I'm building, but <laughs> you'll figure it out when it's, when it's already, it created, might just right? be a tower that we push over later. Uh, and... <laughs> You're building a monster. Right. Um, right. No, I, 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 thank you, man. First and foremost, I, I think you'll read it. it. It's definitely an easy read. I'd, I'd call it a JV version in a very nice way, a bit JV version of all those books. You said, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a really good, like, I've had a lot of people read it. It's like, this is the first book I've read in a really long time. And it's, it's just been a, it's been a quick read for them. It's like a hundred, I think it's 112 pages. You know, some people finished it in a day. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll, hopefully what I'd love it for it to do is kind of be that first book. That's like, Oh, this is what I really like. This is who I am. It's like, start making decisions based off that. So, right. um, let me know what you think about it, man. Yeah. yeah well, no. hopefully you will on Amazon. Right. No, absolutely. I will. Absolutely. I will. Um, I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I obviously ultimately didn't didn't take the opportunity to sign up with self-publishing school when i met you guys back in in... that's because you're a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) that's what you said to me when we sat across from each other i said i don't know (laughs) if i can commit and you said well a shitty person would say that so not surprising (laughs) 
And I said, <laughs> and that's you. how you should sell. Yeah. And then, and then I said, would you want to come on my show sometime, by the way? I would really appreciate that. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but no, like I, I thought it was such a cool idea because, it, it, you know, the self-publishing school itself really empowers people to to take you know, that that concept of everyone's got a book inside them somewhere and really actually come up with an actionable plan to to achieve that. Um, and and I think it so I, I just thought the idea from, you know, again, at its premise was really neat, just like you, you know, you did. And then to actually have the opportunity to get to know someone who has put that to work and is now getting ready to launch a book like that's just you know, that's a that's a fun, fun process and a fun achievement. Um, and yeah, congratulations to you, man. I think it's really cool. Thank you so much, man. And then hopefully, so, you know, someone reading this or yourself or someone listening to this um, is like, hey, you want to be that different variable for someone to potentially learn something that's similar to them. So right. um, check out Self-Publishing School. Uh, I think that's super awesome. And uh, thanks for your intrigue in my book. That means a lot. And for just having me on this this podcast again. These, just, these are such fun conversations. I forget that we've been talking for an hour. It's like, holy fuck. Well, that's, that's very generous and I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, you know, obviously not to try and out gratitude you or something, but I appreciate you coming on. Cause like I said, at the beginning, um, our conversation that we had back in March really resonated with me and not that other conversations I've had on the podcast haven't also, but, but none like that where, I mean, again, I'm not kidding. Literally things happen and I look at it and think about it and then shake my fist and yell Dylan Barr because it's like, <laughs> why did he know this already? Why am I not as wise as Dylan Barr? Um, I was going to say, when you look up to the sky, am, am I am I flying in a plane? Is is that why you're are you looking at me in the sky like, oh, Dylan's probably on a plane right now? No, I, um, <laughs> despite having never been involved with television at all, I look off camera a lot in situations. Mm. I also shake my fist and look at the sky at nothing in particular. Um, I kind of live. I, <laughs> If if you were to see me just alone, even which is very bizarre, I will agree. Uh, it it kind of would probably look like I was filming an episode of like The Office or something because like something will happen and then I look off to to nothing because there is no camera and then make like a gym face or you know I, it's very it's very bizarre. But uh, but yeah, so you were in that that camp for me. Of the Perfect. Office. Well, maybe next time I'm on the walk show uh, talk show, we'll, it'll just be in person. And I can see all this. <laughs> there we'll you get go. an in person in person podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that uh, Springfield, Missouri, is a destination city for a lot of people. So yeah, I'm actually already I'm already going to go there next uh, next February. I have a I have a family vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have Branson, Missouri, which you've probably also not heard of. Um, it's a, uh, a kind of they call it hillbilly Las Vegas, except there's no gambling. So. It's really, really dissimilar to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nice way to say there's hillbillies there. I cannot wait to go. Right, right, yeah, yeah. There, there's, yeah, there's KKK themed um, variety shows um, that don't advertise themselves as that, but that's actually what it's based on. So, uh, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, get out of there. It's a Christian family values show now, but it's called the Bald Knobbers. And the Bald Knobbers is a group of infamous KKK members. So, um, yeah, some strange, some strange roots that we've got here in Southwest Missouri. So, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really—that's just a talent of how you're going to how you're going to loop this back into what we were talking about. <laughs> just sitting back, I'm like, how's he going to fucking do this? <laughs> now, next time I'm there, I will. Or next time yeah. you're out here in Denver, Colorado, man, I'd love to. I'd love to have a live podcast with you. This was this was always enjoyable. Yeah, man. Well, again, Dylan Barr, the book is called The Happiness Gap, How to Achieve Success Without Focusing on Money, Fame, or Accomplishments by Dylan 
Bar. It will launch on Amazon on December 29th. Uh, and yeah, if you guys are interested, head out to dylanbar.com slash launch team and uh, check it out. And if nothing else, definitely check it out on, on December 29th or thereafter and pick up a copy. So thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you, Walker. Take it easy. Right, guys well that is going to do it for today's show thank you again so much dylan Barr, for joining again the name of the book is the happiness gap how to achieve success without focusing on money fame or accomplishments by dylan Barr, and it will be available on amazon on december 29th of 2019 uh, i'll have n- links in the show notes as well if you'd like to to check it out there um, again thank you so much for listening have a great week 